This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everybody. Today's episode of All Facts, No Cap. We got Jennifer Christensen, somebody who's become a Pretty good friend of mine over the last half year or so. I like to go ahead and just call her JC for short, but better known as the CEO of Face Trace Beauty. Jennifer, finally getting you on. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me, Stan. Okay, so go ahead and talk to us about you being the CEO of Face Trace Beauty, how all that came about, and exactly how that endeavor is for you. Yeah, you know, I founded my company in the at the start of the pandemic. So it's really um, it was born from a mission to really empower confidence in diverse women, um, especially. So I created an app that um, helps diverse women to properly apply cosmetics. And I realized as a mom and as a businesswoman juggling so many roles and so many identities, you lose your self identity, which is something you and I have talked about when people start over in life, right? Um, so my son was going to kindergarten full time and um, it was time for me to get out into the world and create my identity beyond mom again. And um, I created this app to help women to rediscover themselves, to create, to feel more confident and embrace who they are uniquely. So that's where we are today. We're working on getting into the public market. You know, speaking of being an entrepreneur, there's a lot of parallels between that and an athlete that goes from being a player to now then a former player and then branching over into their next endeavor, their next passion. And that's something that obviously I've had to make the transition for several years back. So I know how that progress or should I say that transition has been for me, the metamorphosis going through certain feelings, certain frustrations, things like that. Talk to me about your path 
going from everything that you just said. Now, obviously, your son growing up, becoming bigger, getting older. And now you deciding, like you said, during the pandemic, that you want to go ahead and start your own company, becoming that entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, Stan, you and I have talked about this before. Um, it's really hard to make that transition from athlete into, you know, a new career. Yes. And a lot of that is because, um, you know, society gives you an identity. You are athlete, you are superstar, you have a certain amount of attention, you are used to having a certain career and routine and discipline, and then it all changes one day. Yep. And that's the same with motherhood, right? You have um, a life that's more focused around you or your education or your career or your friends. And then one day it's about totally about your child. And so I experienced that personally as a mom and you sort of forget who you are as a person and you, you lean on who people tell you you're supposed to be. And so for me, I think um, the most important thing is to be able to set the definition of who you are, who you say you are, who your truth is, what your interests are before and after anybody else has the opportunity to define you. Right. So it, it comes to um, aligning with the things that are most interesting to you, aligning with the things that um, inspire you and a lot of rediscovery. And that can be scary for some people, but it could also be really exciting. Right. And I think that, um, you know, uh, connecting with your your friends and your network and being fearless and and wanting to go out there and, and try new things is something that takes a lot of courage. Um, but I think that's really similar to the professional athlete, athlete world where you're redefining you and you're experiencing new things and you're building from the ground up and um, it can be very humbling, right? No doubt about it. You know, when I stopped playing, that was probably the most trying time for me. And like what you just said, the world basically defines you before you even have a chance to define yourself. And you struggle with it because for so long, you're thought of as Stanford route, the football player, Oakland Raider, Kansas City Chief, Houston Texan, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're not playing anymore. And you don't really want to introduce yourself to somebody as, oh yeah, I used to play for, you want to be able to have what you're currently doing. And until you're able to like what you just said, define yourself and to be able to go ahead and set those boundaries, that's where you're always kind of like in that no man's land. You're kind of like in that purgatory. And so I, for one, can speak to that in being that in that difficult space where you really struggle to know who you are. But like what you just said, once you define yourself, that's when it becomes so much easier because, you know, just like I do, a lot of times people think of athletes as not being that bright, not being intellectual, not being somebody that can actually hold a conversation. And for a lot of people, they think that athletes don't graduate college. And for me, always being somebody that was intellectual, being somebody that was a deep thinker, I was always kind of insecure about that. I felt like, man, like, am I really like a football player? Because why do I have all these thoughts going in my head? Why do I feel like I'm a deep thinker? And sometimes it seems like people don't want to meet me on that level of depth and this, that, and the other. And then once I stopped playing, that's when, after I finally came out of that metamorphosis that we all go through, that's when I started to embrace that. And that's when I realized that that was actually probably my most ultimate power over the athleticism, you know, the talent, things like that. And so uh, definitely, um, it's definitely a beautiful thing once you're able to redefine, or should I say define who you really are. 
Well, the key is to not tie your identity to a career or to a person or to a thing, right? Your key is to derive your your value, your sense of self-worth to your character. And so once you recognize all the things that you've achieved in life, all the things that you've accomplished, all the things that you've overcome, it's easy to look back and say, you know what? I got this. I can do this. Come what may, I'm going to do it. I didn't come this far to get this far. And um, it allows you to believe in yourself more than you believe in the doubts of others or the ideas or thoughts or perceptions of others. And then you can go for it. And that's, you know, similar to, you know, an entrepreneur and an athlete, you both have to be visionaries, right? You have to see the goal, you have to commit to it, you have to be disciplined. And if you set your heart and your mind on, I'm going to do this, I'm going to create something, um, you can do it and you can do anything. But I think the the tricky thing is people try to figure out what's the first step. And yeah. the first step is asking questions being willing to learn, you know, talk to people who are different than you, you know, you and I are talking about sports, and I'm throwing in here entrepreneurship and motherhood, right? And who would mm -hmm. think that any of these things can relate, but they can. And I think we we spend so much time focused on, on what our differences are, and then it polarizes people, right? But if we come to that place of commonality, where we say, you know what, I, I experienced that too, or I have that same feeling, but I've experienced it you know, with a different kind of experience, we can still feel things in the same kind of way. And I think that's really important because when you start to lean on or network or learn from other people in that kind of way, you get so much further ahead and you start achieving things that you never really thought you would even get involved in. Speaking more acutely than what you just said about making sure that you define yourself and not allowing other people's imagery, not allowing other people's stereotypes of you to become your reality. And I'm pretty sure you as a woman in the business world, in the entrepreneurship, you being a female, and then obviously being an attractive female, I'm sure that you have to deal with certain stereotypes, certain people making prejudgments. How do you deal with that and how do you find a way to thwart or should I say sidestep any of those issues that may come up? Yeah, that was a, you know, when I was younger, it was probably uh, it impacted me much more to worry what people thought of me, what they perceived. Um, that doesn't bother me today. And that's because I have a lot of self-awareness and my convictions about who I am come from you know, who I know I am inside, what my character is, what I've overcome, just as I said before. And so today, um, I don't walk into situations with people even caring or thinking about what I believe they're going to think of me. This is, I'm coming to the table. I know who I am. If you want to benefit from what I'm bringing from the table, let's talk about it and see if it's a mutual thing. If not, that's okay. And it's a blessing either way, right? Because if people do not connect with you in a way that's positive, then then that's okay. That person will move to the side. And then you keep going to um, find what is a fit for you. And I think, you know, when you're open and receptive to the, to the fact that life is a little bit of trial and error, um, you don't take it personally, right? Things have to fall away so that the right things can come in. And, you know, just like, like in sports, you don't win 100% of the games, right? But you nope. try. And so you show up and you do your best and you keep going. And, you know, if, if you're in the middle of a game and it's looking like it's not going to go your way, you know, you don't stop in the middle of the game. You're going to give it your all until that clock runs out. And um, that's just how you have to continue to have that kind of passion for getting ahead in other ways in life. Well, you just said something that really resonates with me. And 
I mean, I'm nothing like Michael Jordan, but I am like him in this sense that I take it personal. <laughs> you won. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. For anybody listening, for people on this planet that take things personal, like what you just said, if you don't align with somebody in a positive way, they can just move to the side. What level of serenity and how do you gain that serenity to not take certain things personal? Self-awareness. When you're confident in the fact that you showed up and you did your best, when you know that you've exhausted every opportunity, when you know that you're really applying yourself, you you don't beat up yourself in the same way, right? Um, but if you if you didn't do the work, if you weren't as kind, if you weren't as positive, you know, it's easier to um, take a step back and say, oh man, I wish I would have done A, B, C, and D. But if you showed up and you did what you're supposed to do, it's, uh, and I do that. <laughs> so, so that's what works for me, right? I always try to put my best foot forward in what I do. And, and, and honestly, radical acceptance you're not going to be perfect. Right. And for a perfectionist, which I am, that can be hard to accept, but you learn to, um, that growth comes from doing that. Right. And, and if you want to have peace in life, you have to know that, you know what, I'm going to go again. And you have to have your confidence and your faith that I'm going to keep going. So I'm going to get knocked down, but I have to be willing to get up again. And then that's it. That's what I think, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, I can speak for just about anybody else that, yeah, you're so right on that. And I failed at that more times than I care to admit to. But that is something I've definitely tried to get better at as I've gotten older, that you can't take everything personal. And obviously, whenever somebody has a certain judgment of you, a certain prejudice, what have you, oftentimes that speaks more about their character than it does yours. But being somebody who's very, very passionate, being somebody who's fiery, or should I say a fire sign, that is something that, uh, yeah, it definitely gets to me from time to time. And I guess, you know, being an athlete, having that animalistic, having that type of aggressive nature that you need to have whenever you're on the gridiron, at times, it's hard to go ahead and just shrug that type of that type of energy off of yourself once you're done playing, you put the pads up and now you're quote unquote in the real world dealing with, uh, with other people in a different genre. Well, for me, you know, I have a lot of faith. And so for me, that's my, my grounding, that's my center because I have had plenty of moments in my life that were soul crushing. And I was like, Oh my God, this couldn't just go work. <laughs> right. And it's actually those moments that make me strong, that make me realize you know what, if I could overcome that, I can overcome this. And I didn't, I didn't get this far to only come this far. And um, I have to believe that, um, you know, for me, God is on my side, and he's going to take me to where I where I need to go. And that's what does it for me. Shifting gears. One thing I remember that the late great Kobe Bryant always said was, people would ask him, are you ever disappointed? Are you ever sad that you wound up not having any boys to go ahead and follow in your footsteps, basketball, things like that, You because you only had girls? And he always said that he didn't want any boys because he didn't want to have to deal with his offspring. He didn't want to have to deal with his son following in his footsteps, having to live up to that name, always being compared to the great Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality, RIP. For parents obviously with kids, what's your take on 
the kid following in the parents' footsteps in any genre, uh, for that matter, because of the natural correlation of the expectations and things like that, that it sometimes can get too compounding. You know, I have a nine-year-old son and he's got some big shoes to fill should he be following in, in footsteps of mom or dad. And, um, you know, his father played um, in the NBA for 16 years and he's, you know, my my little guy's naturally athletic and um, his dad's number was zero and 31, right, at at a couple points in, in his career. And so he says, mom, you know, one day when I play basketball, I want to be number one and I want to be number 32 because he's going to one up dad, right? So he's got that spirit in him. But at the same time, we're both so supportive of just being who you are, being a little kid, doing what is natural to you and your natural interest. Right now, it happens to be basketball, right? But we're not, there's no pressure. There's no limit. We're focused on you be you. Um, But I notice he feels confident in that respect because he is kind of, you know, a natural athlete. Um, And then in in other areas where he doesn't feel as confident, um, he thinks that he's maybe less capable. And I see him comparing himself to, to mom a lot in some ways, you know, mom was a geek. Mom went to like really hard schools and did all that kind of stuff. And so I, I see that impacting him. And so what it shows me is that you are the measuring stick for your, your kid all the time. You're their leader, you're their center. And it's up to us to be able to nurture their natural abilities. And, um, you know, it's a learning process every day. It's a learning process every day. And you just have to to guide your kid with love. And that's the bottom line. Okay. Speaking as a parent, and obviously like we were just talking about with having parents that are very, that are both great in their own right. And oftentimes whenever two people are together and one person is in a certain genre where they're always busy, sometimes they're not at home as much as they probably should be. They're on the road traveling, doing their thing. And then the game stops. Then the occupation stops, the clock stops. And now all of a sudden, the the other partner is able to restart, or should I say, get their life, get their, their occupation, their dream going. In those instances, is there ever a certain level of resentment that comes along with having to stop your life per se, because the other partner has such a demanding career and that way one person has to be more of the stay at home parent has to be more of the, 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 the being more present in the child's life and things like that. Personally, for me, I um, had isolated moments of that, right. When I'm home with the baby and um, you're living your dreams and you're running for championships and you're traveling the world and you're doing all kinds of TV shows and things like that. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't slept and I haven't showered and <laughs> all the things I've had moments like that. Um, but uh, that isn't something that I have ever felt. Um, I've never really had like resentment that was lasting or stuck because I'm a big supporter of um, of his dad doing what he needs to do. But. I would probably be rare in that. Um, I think the majority of my friends and other people that I've seen in those situations do take their opportunity when when the show stops and they say, no, 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 my turn, you know, and um, and that's a tough transition because they're like, wait a minute, you you were here at home all the time. Now you want to go out and do. And so it's a whole new dynamic within the relationship as well. Um, So relationships are constantly changing and constantly evolving, just like careers, our identity, all of it. And and um, I think you just life is a continuous learning curve. 
And obviously you have a great level of serenity. We all know that you have a great level of mental focus. Like you said, self-awareness. What advice would you give to like you just said that you're more in the minority of how that resentment did not just all of a sudden explode? What would you what would advice what advice would you give to anybody on how to navigate through those treacherous waters to not have that resentment all of a sudden overflow? Therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Yes, I'm joking, but I'm not. Um, You know, I think having an understanding of how you were raised, taking time to sit with the things that you experience, allow yourself to feel the feelings that you have so that you can self-reflect and understand why they're triggering you, where they're coming from. Um, So you can be honest with yourself and grow to a place where you can be very authentic. Um, And then the, the next piece from that is gratitude, right? Having the gratitude that you have another day to try again, um, that you have the opportunity to still pursue. I think that's that's what does it for me. But honestly, self-awareness comes from really just understanding your history. And uh, when you find yourself in that situation again in the future, you can handle it differently. You know, I love what you just said. Uh, the first thing that came out of your mouth was therapy. And I'm mm-hmm. somebody who's been to therapy myself for several years. And that is something that I pushed back on when it was first, when the topic was first broached to me by an ex-girlfriend of mine. And obviously I then broke down and then I finally just gave in to her strong suggestions. And it's one of the best decisions that I ever made. And you as a woman speaking from a woman's perspective on men, why the hell are we so bullish on going to therapy? Masculinity, you know, and And I think that um, a lot of people in general feel that therapy is um, a sign that something's wrong with them, right? And um, it's actually a positive. If you have the courage to sit and look yourself in the mirror or do the work, just like when we look at somebody, you know, applying themselves to a job or pursuing a dream, it requires commitment and work, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're willing to do the work to look in the mirror to improve, to condition your mind the same way you would condition your body, um, I think it's it's a great thing. Um, But people can really... um, be fearful of feeling their feelings. You know, some people don't want to be sad because they're feel fearful of crying. They were raised that that's not okay. Um, you know, some people don't want to remember things from their childhood because it didn't feel good, right? And so you just shut it out and you keep it moving. But what you don't realize is you have that toxic energy stored in your body and then it, it comes out in other areas of your life. And until you release that, um, you're going to carry it with you everywhere you go. And it's going to um, prohibit you from really flourishing in the best way that you can. <clears throat> I couldn't have said it better myself because I remember at a time after I'd stopped playing probably about 10 years ago for about two to three years, I went through that metamorphosis that you were just alluding to. And I wasn't my best self. I wasn't flourishing. I was just existing. I really didn't want to go out that much. I didn't really want to be around people. I was still trying to process that person that no longer exists of Stanford Route, the football player. And I remember reading a book one time and it was titled All Athletes Die Twice. And obviously, you know, I've talked about this off camera before, and I know you're going to push back on it. But as a player in many ways, you're on the gridiron, you're on the basketball court, you're on the soccer field, the baseball diamond, the tennis court, what have you. And you're looked at like 
an action figure. You're looked at like a cartoon character. You're looked at like a superhero. You're you're Superman. Everybody is applauding you. You can go and have a great game and you get 400, 500 text messages afterwards. Or if it's on social media, people are sliding in, in your DM saying all kinds of things. People are just throwing bouquets of flowers at you all the time. There's always an applause. There's always somebody complimenting you on you of being the best thing that ever existed. And then all of a sudden, it stops. And you have to be willing to accept that Superman is no longer and now Clark Kent is the only person that exists. And a lot of athletes, a lot of people that are in a public eye, they don't necessarily like Clark Kent <laughs> as, much as, they, as much as they should. They don't love Clark Kent. They love the Superman version of themselves, but they don't love Clark Kent. And when you don't love yourself, other people can sense it. They can see it. They can feel it. And for me, therapy is probably one of the things that helped me finally make sense of all that, make peace of all that and everything else, just because you have to mourn that loss. You have well, to go think ahead. About, think about it. You know, we and you and I have talked about this. Um, somebody who becomes a professional athlete, they don't just wake up and become a professional athlete, right? Yep. It took years of of training and they were probably talented really young, right? Yes. And so the world is forming this identity for you. They're telling you who to be, you know, mm -hmm. they're cheering you on. So now you didn't have that mature, mental, emotional maturity or that core inside of you, that core identity, as opposed to somebody who's coming into a career in maybe their mid thirties, right? Yep. And you're just a little guy. And uh, um, <laughs> now all of a sudden it's like you broken open and you're kind of still that little guy because you have to go through this period of self-discovery. So it um, it is it is a really tough process. And you, you are letting go of what the world you know, told you to be and who you are. And it feels really different. But that's why it's important to set that definition of who you are. Um, so that when life changes, because it happens to anybody, it happens to women, right? One day you're 20, and you're working it. And then the next day, you're not. <laughs> and then that's a big deal, right? And so, you know, we like I said before, we all can relate. I mean, think about it, it, it can happen, you know, with your health. One day somebody could be perfectly healthy and then the next day they lose all of their ability. So, you know, to keep going in life, you have to have that center. You have to have that belief in yourself. You have to know that, you know, who you are is going to come from the inside. It sounds so cliche, but it's so true and it's so powerful once you really step into that. Speaking of health and mental health, in this country, we definitely have a digestion problem. We consume a lot of negative imagery, whether it's on social media, whether it's on the news channels and magazines, things like that. And I know you always speak to the mental health. And what would your advice be on how we as a society can work to have better mental health by digesting? Yeah. Ideas, imagery, information, consuming. So I, I mentioned this earlier about aligning with things that are healthy for you and shutting out things that are not. Anything you read, anything you post, every time you're scrolling, you have to remember that these systems are designed designed to, <laughs> to get you addicted, right? They want you to come back. And 
you are pouring all of that energy into yourself. And it's so easy to lose, lose track of that. And it, it um, allows you to lose focus. You're distracted from doing things that are healthy for you. Um, and so I think when you start paying attention to your relationships, how people make your body feel in a way like, do I feel tense? Do I feel angry? Do I feel lighter? You know, paying attention to your body um, and paying attention to what elevates your mind is so life-changing um, and committing to taking breaks. Because if you just pour all that toxic energy in, you're going to be, you're going to sink. <laughs> well, for everybody listening, JC, everything she just said to sum it up in two simple words, she likes to call that higher vibrations. And that was, that was a term that I learned from you. I did. I had never heard that a day before in life. Then all of a sudden you mentioned it to me one day and I started seeing it more and more, whether it's on social media, on TV, magazines, things like that. And I'm somebody that I'm a very pragmatic person. I am. I, I'm guilty as charged. So I need you to give me the definition of what higher vibrations means and exactly how it's the criteria, like how is it measured? Things like that. Okay. So let's talk about things that we're consuming. So if you're scrolling on Instagram and you come across a blog and it's a gossip blog, right? Look at that piece of information there and say, what is this doing for my life? Does this make yeah. me a better person? Is this teaching me something? Does this make me feel any kind of positivity? Can I contribute to this in a way? Does this contribute to my growth? If the answer is no to any of those, it's not good for you and it's not necessary. I mean, but what if it's so. just entertaining, you know? But why? <laughs> because, I mean, for the same reason people watch reality TV shows. like It's mind-numbing, right? So yeah, is. entertainment is supposed to be fun, exciting, right? Not mind-numbing, not distracting. Remember what I said about the squirrel. It's designed yeah. to keep you there. It's designed to numb the brain. When you numb the brain, you can't think for yourself. They don't want you to think, right? They want to <laughs> manipulate you into the behaviors that they want you to take because they get paid. And so that's true, how social true. media is designed. That's the purpose of it. So if you're falling into that trap, um, that is low vibrational. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, I agree. It is. Sometimes it is addictive, like what you just said. And sometimes, you know, you can eat healthy. Always eat your greens. You can eat fruits, grains, you know, all of the, all the healthy stuff. And then from some, so every now and again, and I mean, honestly, just like earlier tonight, Sometimes you just want that greasy cheeseburger. <laughs> just plain and simple. Listen, and, and that's human. That's <laughs> human. That's human. But but a pattern and a habit are two very different things. It's Church. human to need to, you know, check out, but you know, pay attention to to how much time you're spending on that. I bet you if you look at your weekly log of how much screen time you have, it's astronomical and you don't even realize it, right? You know, I've looked and I'd be like, Jesus, seven hours a day. How'd I do that? Well, that's easy. I'm sitting on the phone or I'm on a Zoom and I'm still scrolling. You know, multitasking with Instagram is is not the way to be. But we're all guilty, including myself, right? Um, so it's being conscious of what you're consuming in the process, right? Is it at least a news story? <laughs> Did you learn something? Um, inspiring your creativity. You know, if you feel very kind of like, mm, after you read something, as opposed to thinking of something higher, you know, if it's not contributing to a new thought, eh, I didn't do too much for you. Okay. So far in this conversation, 
I've learned self-awareness, therapy, and higher vibrations. Those are three key words that I've heard you mention throughout this conversation. So we clearly can see you're somebody that has done the work. You clearly have self-awareness. You're very aware of yourself, of all of that. And talk to me about how you as a woman, how the benefits that have now come into your life throughout having that amount of clarity and being able to see yourself in the world through those HD lenses. So when you do that work, you have a greater understanding of how you want to be treated. And therefore you also treat others better as well. And that's really important. The more confident you are with yourself, the healthier you are, the better you um, treat other people and the standards that you have are higher for you. You entertain nonsense much less. Um, and, and that's really important. So I think that's the biggest thing. It impacts your relationships. It impacts your business choices. It impacts your friendships. You know, sometimes a friendship is going to unravel because not everybody is, is going to be the person who has to go to that next level with you. And that's okay. And I just had this conversation with someone earlier today, you know, sometimes it's, it's a blessing, right? You're, you're, somebody has to move out of the way for you to, to keep going to where you need to be. Um, and that can be really hard to accept. Um, but you know, once you get into the habit of experiencing those things, it's not as hurtful because it can be. Okay, JC, I got one last question for you. And I know that I've got maybe a few associates, maybe a few, a few friends, what have you, that, They're very interested in this question that I'm about to ask. So please be specific. Please be very, very concise with your answer. I'm nervous. Okay. (laughs) Obviously, I'm pretty sure you've had your fair share of admirers throughout your lifetime. No doubt about that. I'm pretty sure. So now, obviously, you being a woman who is divine, you being a woman that has ultimate clarity, tell me the must-haves that you'd be looking for if you were looking for a partner Mm -hmm. so self-awareness number one um uh ambition is important um let's see self-awareness ambition come on now i know you got a third one somebody who is a considerate person you know somebody who's a nurturing person right i i think that if somebody knows how to um be nurturing and i think we think of that as like women and moms. No, it's somebody who's thoughtful, considerate, self-aware, and you can um, make each other better people, right? You inspire each other to reach your best potential and, and you have a partnership. You both bring something to the table that makes the other person better. And I think that's important. And they got to make you laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, 
That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.